Well, today uh, we're going to be talking about the, the image of God, and I'd like to read, a, you know, start at the very beginning here. It's a, a subject that kind of fascinates me, and, and so just taking some time, not only today, but through the week, just to think about what is your image, and how has it changed over time, and when do you experience that, that presence and, that, and that, grace, that grace of God. So reading here from Genesis 1, uh, starting with verse 26 here. <clears throat> So then God said, let us make humankind. And it's interesting, just the the use of the plural there, let us. Uh, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. These are the, the words of God for each and every one of us here today. Amen. As we take some time, uh, and I certainly um, was thinking about Mother's Day uh, this week, and that certainly kind of had an influence on, on, the, on the sermon, just my own experiences with God. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went back to hear our daughter present her uh, senior research, and she's getting a degree in religion and sociology, and I didn't know what the title, I knew what the research was, but I didn't know what the title of it was, but the title, <laughs> we walked into this room, the title was Changing uh, or Challenging Patriarchy Within the Christian Church. I went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Who raised her? <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, that got me to thinking as well. So, uh, and I'm sure all of you have had these questions and thoughts about God as well, but sometimes we're scared <laughs> to think or even ask a question in church. So as we take some time just to pray and to reflect on this, uh, just ask yourself, what is your image of God? How do you perceive God? And that can be very different uh, for all of us present here today. So what is that? What is your image of God? Let's just take some time to pray. And, and to reflect on that, let us pray. Amen. Well, as we get going, I just wanted to, to give you all an opportunity. And don't worry, you're not going to be called a heretic or anything. <laughs> just the, the image of God uh, that you have, that you've experienced, that, that you work with. Uh, and as you're thinking on that, uh, Bill Ryder, in the first service, he shared, and he's a, a biology teacher. And I didn't realize this, but some of you probably do, that Marty Robbins wrote a, a song, and it's about a guy out in the desert, and he says, when a cottontail looks back at me, I see God's image. And it, it, he said it much more poetically, but it was just a great, <laughs> a great, great thought there. So anyone else with the image you work with or have experience? Yes? It's more of a feeling, like a comfort feeling, like a presence. Yeah. Warmth and security and love. Okay. Nothing but just security, like man. Yeah. So just Nicola, it's just a presence, just this feeling of warmth, love, security. Yeah. I work more with just a presence. Yeah. Anyone else though with the image? Yes. A lot of times when I um, do the centered prayer, I just almost I feel that presence that you're talking about. It's just like. 
And sometimes I'll just feel being held by hands, and I don't really see the hands, but I just feel being encased or surrounded. And um, and then I know when we went to the Peace Whisper, it was so beautiful because Barb has these two hands, and um, it's on this fireplace, and they don't match. And we kept looking at it, and, it, and it's a famous painting. I don't know which one. Rembrandt. Yeah. But the two hands don't match. One is feminine, and one is male. And so I just think that God is so beyond our imagination and our. Um, but I think it's that presence and that reality that's so real. It reminds me of like the love feeling. You can't really see love, but you can feel it. Right. Yeah. And we know it when we feel it too. Can't really, but we know it when it's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Michael. Someone earlier early this week has said that, in their opinion, that the best metaphor for God was just light. <laughs> light, yeah. And then the mountains, the rivers, the, and that, especially when they're flowing, you just get a sense of movement and cleansing, yeah, refreshing. Anyone else with an image that you work with or experience? Yeah. I remember uh, growing up, of course, uh, and I grew up in, in the United Methodist Church, and, and every Sunday we, kind of like here, we always talked about love, and, and God is love, and I, and I always start there with God is love, uh, but then I also remember the, some of the pictures in the church didn't necessarily match <laughs> this love, and, and some of those pictures they had representing Christ or God, they were scary, and so I always had this tension between what we were being told and then and some of the, the pictures in the church, you know, didn't match up with the love there. So just taking some time to think about the nature of God and the, the image of God, our, and then our experience. Uh, we, we, 
uh, in the Methodist Church, one of our traditions is we do not have to validate our experience to anybody. <laughs> it's our experience given to us in trusting God, you know, working through that, that, those thoughts and those ideas there. Uh, so today, you know, thinking about Mother's Day and all, uh, I was asking, is God male? Is God a male or is God a female or is God both? Or maybe something altogether different. You know, none of us really mentioned gender much in our understanding there. And does it really matter, you know, what that image of God is? Does our image of God make any difference in our lives and in our world? And I would say it changes everything on how we experience God, how we have that image of God. It changes everything, not only how we see ourselves, but how we see other people as well. And uh, I go to the Valley Inn quite often. I'm always amazed because sometimes I'm a little bit reluctant to go. But then once I go there, I'm just so blessed. I also go there because I want to help (laughs) or be present with someone else. And they always end up blessing me so much. And one of my favorite characters that I've met up the Valley Inn, I think I've shared some of her story, was a lady named Cleo Gore. And she was just uh, a character times two. Uh, and she grew up in, in Disappointment Valley, which is between Dove Creek and, and Natarita. Just lived on a great big ranch out there. And her dad uh, told her, and she loved horses. And her dad told her, she said, Cleo, you can have as many horses as you can catch. You have to catch them, you have to break them, and you have to feed them. <laughs> that was the only guidelines. And she had about five to seven horses throughout her life. And uh, her favorite horse, I remember, was named Diamond. And she always had all these expressions, these homespun things. I can't remember all of them, but I remember when her hair was all matted up and everything, she always said, I need a curry comb for my hair. And and (laughs) just her love of horses there. But Cleo, she laughed and smiled very easily. And and when I went up to see her one day and and she she was dying and she was asleep in her bed and I woke her up and she said, hey, pastor. And she was just smiling and beaming. I said, how are you doing, Cleo? She goes, I'm doing great. And she goes, Pastor. She goes, last night I had a dream. And I said, what did you dream, Cleo? She goes, I saw God. And she was just smiling. She was in that presence. I said, what was it like? She goes, God, it was just, God was beautiful and, and that peace and that presence. She goes, I'm just still on cloud nine. I just can't believe it. She goes, I saw God. And of course, I asked, I said, well, what did God look like, Cleo? And she was quiet. And she goes, well, that's what I'm thinking about as well. She goes, because growing up, she goes, I always thought that God was a man. But in my dream, God was not a man. And here I thought I was kind of getting my notes out. Well, this, this could be my, my, best, my best seller. <laughs> I go, so was God? I said, Cleo, I said, was God a woman? She goes, no, God wasn't a woman. I said, what did God look like? She goes, I can't describe God. It was just beauty and peace. And then she said, God was God. God was God. And she was just smiling. 
And that was image. It was beyond words, this experience. And you know sometimes when people are describing something, even if it's a dream, and you know they are speaking truth. Someone else in the earlier service mentioned that God is truth. When we see truth. But God is God. So what is our image of God? And do we feel free to explore that image and and to experience it? And does it matter if our image of God is masculine or feminine or even a non-binary gender? And this question, we can talk about it in a very civil way, but in a lot of other places, you don't have that conversation. (laughs) What is God's image like? What is our experience? Richard Rohr says when we overemphasize the masculine traits of the divine, many women feel less than. They feel that their voices and their bodies simply do not matter as much as men's. That God's image is not in them. And Sarah Bessie, in her more recent book, she has shared many of these experiences that women have had confronting this, this overly masculine image of God. And so a young seminarian shared the pain and the disappointment of speaking to an empty room the very day that she gave her very first sermon in preaching class. None of her male classmates showed up to hear her. They thought she was not worthy to be a minister. And that thought came from their image of God and who God is and who God values. A pastor recounts the time that she approached a lectern at at a conference, a religious conference, only to see a male colleague turn his chair around so he would not have to face her as she spoke. And that belief and that action came from his image of God and how he felt God perceived men and women. A young mother quietly recounts the sexual abuse that she suffered in the name of biblical submission. In my 14 years here, I've heard countless women tell me how they've been counseled by ministers and priests who have told them, it is your biblical obligation to stay in that abusive relationship. And it's because of that image, that perception of God. Anita Hill and Dr. Ford most recently bared their souls before Congress and the American public. And they told their stories of being abused by powerful men and harassed. And yet their stories were dismissed. They were not validated. An exclusively patriarchal society or an exclusively patriarchal church can tend to treat women as less than. They're not quite equal of the same value as men. So does God, Jesus, does the Holy Spirit see women and men equally? Is God beyond gender? We go back to the very beginning here in Genesis. It says that both male and female are included in the image of God. 
And God blesses men and women and children equally. And everything God makes, everything God creates is very, very good. And it's right there at the beginning. And always wonder, how do we miss that? How does such a large portion of society miss that? Where we still have this gender bias, this hierarchy between males and females. And it's right there in the beginning. And throughout the Bible, both feminine and masculine images of God are used to illustrate the divine. In the Old Testament, the divine is, is often called Sophia, or holy wisdom. That part of God, which is wisdom, is referred to as feminine. God is described as a compassionate mother in Scripture, a hen protecting her, her, her chicks, and also in Genesis, God is referred to as El Shaddai. I think this is in uh, Exodus as well. El Shaddai. Does anyone know what El Shaddai translates to? Or want to say? It means the breasted one. God is the breasted one. God gives birth to creation. God wills our well-being as a mother wills the well-being of her children. And God is attached to us with a love that is tender and that will not let us go. Rohr says the feminine principle has, has a greater interest in the inner being, in the soul, intuition, connections, harmony, and relationship. We call this the feminine attributes, feminine characteristics. In male and female metaphors and images of God, they are not incompatible, but they work together in agreement and in harmony. Both are needed, and both of them serve us well when there is balance. But if one is overemphasized at the expense of the other, that's when we have struggles and problems, and often so much of our, our violence Carl Jung says every woman, every woman has a male side to her personality. And every man has a female side to his personality. And when there is this equilibrium, then we can live with tenderness and firmness. But we have to acknowledge and embrace both. And this is God. This is Christ or Jesus as well. God, as the Father, can present many problems for us, depending on how we were raised, our own father figure, our earthly father figure, maybe the church we grew up in as well. But God, as Father, as we see in Scripture, is seen as compassionate. And even the root of compassion means from the womb, womb-like, very nurturing and very caring. And this is the whole point of the story of the prodigal son. We really should call it the prodigal father. This lavish, generous love of the father for his children. Throwing his arms around him and just welcoming him in that unconditional grace and love. Giving him the best that he can offer them. It's the loving, compassionate father. Jesus holds, close, holds John close to him at the end of the book of John. And he's holding this grown man in a tender embrace. And John is resting his head on Jesus' heart. It's very tender, very 
and soft. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And Jesus welcomes her. And that place of sitting at a great teacher's feet, that was reserved only for men. Only men could do that. And yet he receives her, and she listens. And he says, she has chosen the better thing. And Christ fully recognized and honored women. And those barriers were dissolved. And Jesus loved us first, and he loved us last. But he had that perfect balance between the masculine and feminine within him. And we know that Mary had a great influence on him. How he was raised and his thoughts and his ideas. The children were very comfortable coming to him and resting and speaking to him. And he was tender with them. But he was also masculine. Very firm. And that's what's really difficult, but his masculinity was very different. It wasn't this toxic masculinity that we see so much in our society, which is harmful and devalues people, is often violent. But he had a healthy masculinity. And on that first day of resurrection, Mary is at the tomb, and she doesn't recognize Jesus initially, and then she does. And she knows she is loved and cared for. And then Jesus says something very interesting to her. He says, Mary, do not cling to me. Do not hold on to me. And she knows she's loved, and I would call this healthy masculinity. But you can't hang on to me, Mary. You need to go and live your life fully. I will always be with you, but in a different form, in a different way. You cannot cling to me. And there's that balance between the masculine and the feminine. But it's a healthy masculinity. As people of faith, are we rooted in love? Do we embrace the feminine and the masculine within us? Do we convey that compassion that comes deep from the womb, that tenderness, that caring? And do we recognize ourselves in the image of God? Do we recognize ourselves in the picture of God that we paint? Can we recognize our neighbors in the image of God that we have? And not just those that we love, but those that we struggle with. Do we recognize the image of God in brown, in red, in black people? Do we recognize the image of God in men and women? in the rich, in the poor? Do we recognize that image in conservatives and in liberals, in that picture that we have of God? Because once we start to see God's image in all people and all things, it changes how we treat one another. Everything is sacred. Everyone is sacred. And our desire is healing and forgiveness. And we work towards becoming more and more like that image. And in thinking of this image and just all these encounters, all these things that we've shared, one of my favorite movies is The Shack <laughs> about faith. How many people have seen The Shack in here? Okay. Uh, it's in the movie, just set it up this, this scene. Uh, Mackenzie, he has had, the main character, he has had 
a very difficult relationship with his, his father growing up. His father was abusive. And then that image, uh, so he, had, he struggled in church with this father figure or God as father. And then as he gets married, his, his daughter is abducted and killed. And so his struggles with God and how God could allow this to happen just get magnified, especially this idea of Father God. And he's angry. He's in a lot of pain. And he gets this note from Papa, which is what his wife called, I think it was his wife that called uh, God Papa. And, and so he goes to this shack, not knowing why, and he thinks that maybe God has called him there. And this particular scene is when Mackenzie meets the Trinity. He meets the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's very different. We're going to show this and then we'll go from here. Mackenzie Allen Phillips. Look at you. very well, but we can work on that. I've been so looking forward to this, to finally see you face to face. Can I take your coat and that gun? We wouldn't want anyone to get hurt, now would we? I understand it's confusing. We all do. You will do this on your terms and time. How about some introductions? I'm Alusia. I have a lot of names, but that's one of my favorites. Or if you want, you can call me what Nan does. You know Nan? Oh, yes. Very well. You're saying that you're... I am. I am that I am. <laughs> Look at that. Already quoting scripture. You bet my son. Ready to see you, Mac. Your son. Of course. And I'm saying. Sarah who? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. It means a breath of wind. Alright. So, which one of you is. I am. And you have no idea how much I love you. It's okay, baby. We all collect things we value, don't we? I collect tears. It's good to meet you guys.
And later on, um, Mac, <clears throat> he's talking with the, with the God figure. And he's still confused trying to <laughs> process all this. And he says to her, he goes, I just thought that you would be different. <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? What do you mean different? And he says, well, I thought you would have a white beard. And she says, she goes, Mackenzie, considering your past and the relationship you had with your father, as well as the church, she goes, if I would have come to you as a father figure, I think you would have rejected me. But you can listen to me and you can accept me in this way. And that's why I came as this, as this person. And you think about all the different responses we had for the image of God. If God is God, (laughs) then God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, they're going to speak to us in a way that we can hear, that we can listen, that we can accept that, that love. And my prayer for all of us today, especially just taking this time on Mother's Day, is that we can just think about that image of God and be open to all the, the possibility. God is God. God is God. Just let our hearts, and minds, and souls be open to receive that love and grace in whatever way it appears. Amen. Amen.